listening to our New Chapel podcast. We're for people to connect with God and be raised to new life in Christ. Be sure to connect with us at newchapel.com and on social media to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel. Good morning, church. Hey, welcome to the fourth part in our series, Asking for a Friend. My name is Joe Bevilacqua. If we haven't had the opportunity to meet, I'm the senior pastor here at New Chapel. If you have anything to take notes with, now's the time. Uh, You guys put in questions. It was during Easter. We gave you a survey, and we said, hey, what's on your mind? What's on your heart? What are you dealing with? And really, we took that survey in real time and plugged it into our teaching calendar for the next several weeks. And today, we're going to be answering a question that was very, very high on the list, and it's surprising so, because I've dealt with this in different ways before, but it's amazing that it keeps on popping up, and it just lets me know this is something that's going on in your life, and it is the question, how how in the world do I forgive when they are so wrong? And it's something that we deal with, don't we? It's something that we, we have, this, this person in our life, and I don't think we have to go far In fact, I I really believe every person in this room probably has somebody that, let me put it this way, you you might have them on your list like, who cares? I'm done with them. In fact, uh, asking for a friend, uh, let me pose this question to you. Have you ever said, I don't care anymore in any of your relationships? Have you ever gotten to the spot where it's just like, I'm rating you off, I can't I can't do this anymore. I cared. I, I, I had my heart in this thing. And it's just, I, I can't go down that road with you. I think that many of us in the room get to that spot. And, and the reality is this. You might think that you don't care, but your survey says something different. It says that you actually care deeply. And so the fact that you say that you don't care is actually a billboard saying you care a huge amount. It, it's just awful. It's whatever happened, whatever the distance is, whatever the fracture in the relationship It just shows that it matters to you. I had to deal with this myself this week while I was writing this message. And it's something where I knew that I would be a hypocrite if I came to you and preached a message on forgiveness and God working in our relationships and then didn't take a step myself. I'll tell you about that in a second. But, you know, we need to deal with this. It is something that is active in so many people's lives, and there's a better way to deal with it than just to avoid them, to write them off like they're dead to you. My wife has this famous saying. She say, hit me once, shame on you. Hit me twice, you're dead to me. And, and that's literally what, we, what we've had to fight in our lives, like all of us though, right? We all have a little bit of that. And, and, and when we read in the Bible and God is saying, hey, forgive and I don't know if you're like me. When I hear those type of things, I think like, no, it's not that easy. You're saying it like it's easy. It's not easy, God. I, I, I can't forgive. You don't know what they did. And, and I've, I'm not immune from this. I deal with my own stuff just like you. And, and the reality is like everything with God, it is a step of faith. You have to trust a process. Go on a journey with him. And so I will say this about this message There is nothing profound I'm going to be sharing with you today. A lot of practical. But if if we dive into this and lean into this tension, it'll all be powerful. And I believe that we'll see God's glory in our lives, really, and our relationships like we need. And so what I've found is that there is a progression 
You don't just wake up one day and you're upset with somebody and you're like, they're dead to me. That's really not how it happens, even though you might have felt like that from time to time. Uh, in fact, psychologists would, would really define a lot of this. And it's something that Christian pastors and secular people that don't even believe in God, they can see the journey towards getting to the spot where you're in a relationship and you just, you just blow them off. I don't care. I want to I show you what it is. The first step in all of that is distance. Distance. Maybe take a picture of that with your phone or jot it down. We, we get into a little tiff. And it's like, forget them. I'm not showing up at the whatever. And you just, you're done, right? You might not be done permanently, but you just, you put a little bit of distance. Now, this can happen in your relationships if you just don't care about your relationships. So you can just drift. Relationships drift. So if you don't sow into your wife and, and invest in your friendships and invest in your coworkers, like, the relationship will just drift over, and that can create distance. But then it can also be the fight, the conflict that creates it. And you get to the spot where it's like, I'm done. And you might not say it out loud, but how many of y'all know, like, you can say it internally. You can be done on the inside. Be like, no, I'm great with them. Like, okay, don't have to yell, you know. And In fact, uh, while you're laughing, I'll share this with you. I, I heard from a very reliable source that women should always have the last word in an argument. Any women want to agree with that? Say amen, yeah? And, and the reason is, is because the moment a man says something, that's the beginning of a different argument. Glad that we had that moment, because um, not a lot of the rest of this message is very fun. Uh, so there's distance, like I feel right now. And then there's walls. There's, there's walls. Smile at her, brother. There's walls. We put up walls. Why? We want to protect ourselves. We don't want to get in the drama. We, 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 want to, we want to put that distance in between. And listen, I'm a boundaries guy. I believe in the wall, everybody. But let me just tell you, there's times where you'll put it up as a knee-jerk reaction, and you'll wall out not just the bad people. You'll wall out the good people. You will wall out your God because you're desperate and your hand's out, and it's just no one's going to hurt me. And you become one of these people that nobody really knows. You won't take a risk in relationship because your heart's never going to be broken again. I'm never going to go down that road. And let me just tell you something. Relationship's risky, but we put up walls. And uh, the Bible would call this the root of bitterness. It's where you get kind of sour on the inside. You don't want to deal with people. You still care. It's the reason why you put it down in your survey. But the truth is this. You, you can become numb in so many ways. If you don't deal with it here, it goes on to the next step, which is, write it down, escalation. Things start to escalate. Uh, the situation becomes bigger than the situation. What do you mean? This is where you might have had a conflict with somebody, and then you just, like, time's gone by, maybe, maybe a day, maybe a week, and you're driving down the road. You're like, I can't believe that they did that. And they, you know what they're probably doing is, and you start to... You start to fill in the blank on them, and it escalates. And you have this inflated view of the problem. You know, there's times over the years where I've counseled people, and they've been in conflict with family or friends or their spouse, and I'm listening to them about their problems, and I'm thinking, like, that's it? <laughs> I kind of did that on Tuesday. I don't know what the problem is. Like, build a bridge and get over it. Kiss and make up. I'd like, I don't want to die on that hill, everybody, you know? But, like, I'm, I'm outside of it, but when you're in it, how many of y'all know? Just blood pressure. You start making indiscriminate noises, you know, just, huh, you're just upset. And, and it's escalating in you. You let the small thing become the big thing. A mountain out of a molehill, I can hear my dad. What happens? You fight and you belittle the other person. 
They're not listening to you. They're not affirming how you felt in the thing. You start to belittle them and what their needs are. And it's escalating. And it really is fueled by the next thing, which is false belief. This is where the enemy gets involved. Jesus said in John 7 that he's the father of lies, that lies are his native language. And so he'll plant that. You'll be like, they're just a, they're just, and then he'll fill in the rest of the sentence and you'll get so upset about something that's not true. It's so dangerous in relationship. People who don't know the facts, they start to rate their own ideas. They start to fill in the rest of the narrative. And when we don't handle it right, we become deceived. I'll counsel people like this. and They'll say, Pastor Joe, I'm drowning. I'm hurting. My heart hurts in all of this. Says, well, listen, you need to call them up and, and, and talk. And I'm telling you, push back immediately. And you think, why do they think, why do they think I don't have good advice in this? I showed them scripture. I'm, I'm trying to walk. It's for this reason. When you get to that spot and you're all worked up, the blood pressure's going, and you're deceived about stuff, you are the last person that you need to be listening to. Wouldn't it stand to reason that a God that stands outside of time and outside of your family drama, you know, wouldn't it stand to reason that he's going to have solutions that are a little counterintuitive to you, that are different than what you want to do? Well, yes, of course, right? And so when we give that advice, it's hard to talk to somebody who's in this spot where it's escalated. They've got false beliefs about the other person. Their own narrative is going on in their head. It, it's hard to talk them off the ledge with relationship because they cannot see it. The next and the last step in this, this progression before you get to the spot where you just don't care, it's a limited word, but trek with me, it's hostility. You get to the spot in relationship where there's hostility. I don't know how they're doing. You should ask them. Like it's just, it's hostile. It's tense in the relationship. What happens? Things go toxic. This happens uh, with parents. This happens uh, with parents with, with adult kids. This happens with parents and teenagers. Oh, Lord, does it. It happens uh, where people grow up and they hold something against their parents or a mentor or a coach in their lives, and, and, and they, just, they just hate them. They hate the idea of them. They can't even go there in their relationship or in their mind. And friends, cousins, coworkers, your spouse, you start believing false things about the person that you said vows to. And you start to believe those things, and this tension is now birthed, this toxic, hostile environment and it's awful. And you think that you can hold on to that grudge. Let me tell you something, Christian. You discount what it does to your soul. You think that you can be upset with so-and-so, and just because you don't see him all the time, I'm telling you, your heart, the Bible says, is deceitful above all things. It's like whack-a-mole. You suppress this, it's going to pop up another area. You'll start fighting with that wife of your dreams you have a great marriage with because you didn't resolve something with your idiot cousin. That's funny, I don't care who you are. You're like, I don't have an idiot cousin. All right. We'll have an altar call at the end of service. Things go toxic. And that progression is so real. I want to deal with the progression, but for just a second, I want to take a time out in the sermon. quick points about what forgiveness is not. Write these down very quickly. The first one is this. Forgiveness is not a feeling. It's not a feeling. We think that if we're going to forgive, we're really going to feel it. Now, everybody look at me. I'm Italian. I want to feel it. Like, if anybody's feeling things, it's the Italians in the room right now. We feel 
so strongly and, and about a lot of things, but like, I want to feel like I forgave somebody before I ever go to them, but that's not, that's not it. In fact, some of you have been taken advantage of or abused or wronged in such a way, I don't think you're ever going to feel it. Well, I just need to cool down about it. I, I, just, need to, I just need to make sure that, that, that my temper's in check. Before. It might not happen. You might never feel like you forgave them or feel like it's time to forgive them or feel like it's time to take that step. So it's not a, forgive, uh, a feeling thing. Forgiveness has nothing to do with that. It may never come around, and here's what's amazing about that. It's much more proactive than just feelings. It's something that we have to decide to do. Forgiveness is not, write this one down, it's not reconciliation. Now, we're going to talk about the difference in between boundaries and walls, and there's a big difference with it all, but some of y'all just need to be free from it because when you forgive someone, it doesn't mean that everything needs to go back to the way it was before. In fact, in a lot of situations, it can't, or, or to do that would do incredible damage to you. God is not calling you to abuse. You should write that down. God is not call, That is not your cross to bear. Okay, to have somebody who, who's going to railroad you in your life, be a narcissist, take from you. There's no relationship going on. God has not called you to that. So, so in many instances, the person that wronged you, you don't have to have reconciliation. It would do harm to you and maybe even your kids. But at the same time, it might happen. We'll talk about that in a little bit. So there's, there's nothing wrong with forgiving the offense and setting up new boundaries and new expectations, really, for what the relationship could look like. Okay, number three. Forgiveness is not forgetting. In many cases, what happened to you is unforgettable. It's in the case of abuse, especially. I've counseled people through the years, and they're there, everybody. They'd like to forget it. And so to, to, to beat them over the head about, well, just forget all that. And listen, it's not about that. But you can forgive. You don't have to forget that. We add conditions to forgiveness, and that's why I think that we think it's so hard. You, you got to feel it. I got to feel like I forgave you. And actually, all right, I'm, I'm there. You, know, you don't have to feel it. You don't have to forget it. It's something that you do. You, you take part in this. And by waiting into a spot where you actually forget it, it makes it very likely that you will never forgive. Now, those are three things that forgiveness is not. Back to that progression. Throw up that slide there, guys. It's distance and walls and escalation, false belief and hostility. And we see that in secular world and psychology. But here's what I want to show you today. That progression is exactly the spot that you were in before Jesus. Let me read it for you out of Ephesians chapter uh, 2. The Bible says this. Remember that the time... At that time, you were separate from Christ. You were without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near. There's that distance thing through the blood of Jesus. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Psychology made the list, not me, but you can see it in the context of that scripture. How your Jesus, before you made anything right, before you were trying to broker peace, he stepped in. Jesus never did anything wrong. He was not the offending party, and yet he took on him this disposition of like the worst of us to, to broker the peace that we needed in our life. Is that mind-blowing or what? That's what we need. That's where peace is 
for you. Let me read out of Ephesians 4. The Bible says this. Get Just look at that. Anybody else read the Bible and they're like, oh, that sounds easy. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander. That's not easy, everybody. You read lists like this, let's just get rid of it, you know. And every form of malice, be kind and compassionate, because that describes me, to, to one another, forgiving each other. But there it is. Just as in Christ God forgave you. What you're going to see today is this. Uh, some of the things that you face, some of the hardships, some of the offense that happened to you, there is no way in your own power you could be able to forgive that. It's something that only God could forgive. And thank God we have the greater one in us. And in his power, what does it say in that passage? Just as Christ forgave, like just as he did it, I can do it. Do you see it, everybody? So this is, this is just get rid of it, but how? You do it in Jesus. You do it in the power. It's just as. You don't have to try to put on something. You don't have to try to fake it. You can do it in the power of God. Say amen, somebody. Now, there's a little bit of theology. There's a little bit of a, a, a litmus test to place yourself in the room of what we're going through. I'm going to give you some points today. Two of them, at least, you're going to hate. Uh, you're going to hate them. <laughs> it's... It's not that they're profound. It's just really hard to do. But I believe this. If you leave this place and, and you decide to do the hard thing, you can leave this place free. And that's something you can't do on your own. And so here we go. Number one, write it down. Forgiveness is a command. For, that doesn't help, Pastor. Oh, no, it helps a ton. Let me tell you why. Uh, a command, which means that we can make the decision to do it. We can choose to follow God's command. He says, forgive us. We can do that. It's not something that happens when we feel like it. It's not something that happens over time. Time isn't a healer. Anybody else in the room just want to like be honest with yourself? And You've heard somebody else say, oh, time heals all wounds. I've never seen that. I've seen time exploit wounds, crack them open. In fact, I've seen people that have let so much time go by that they forget why they're angry, but they are very angry about the thing. So, so it's not something that's going to happen over time or something that magically happens when you forget about the offense that happens. No, it's a command. So you can choose to do it. It's very freeing. Let me read to you what Jesus said in Mark 11. He says, and whenever you stand praying, if you have anything, Against anyone. Like, no wiggle room, Jesus. Come on. Forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. In fact, Christian, listen to me. This is a huge deal. If you don't walk in forgiveness, you're not walking in the system by which you got your salvation. You want to walk in the system by which you have your salvation. You got to forgive anything. Anyone. And I like how it says, while well, you stand praying. Here's what this looks like. So we get to New Chapel, and the first song starts, and none of you are here. And, and the second song starts, and halfway through, you come in kind of groggy with your coffee, like, where's my seat? You know, and, and, and you get in here, and you get your coffee, and you wave at Jesus, hallelujah, you know, and, and you have your moment of worship. And then, and then we stand before the message. We're, we're all praying. The Bible says, if you have anything against anyone while you stand praying, go do it. Go make it right. Right then. Don't wait. I was writing this message in my office this week, and God says, go do it. Just as quick, I closed my laptop because I knew if I didn't, I was going to talk myself into thinking I heard voices. 
And I was like, God, and I'm getting ready to like give my spin, like, I don't know about this. And God's like, I'm going to honor what you do. And so I got up, and with great inconvenience and with great spectacle, I'm headed towards where this person is. And because the roads aren't fixed, I had to go take all kinds of different ways to get downtown. And I got downtown, and, and then I had to wait for this person for a long time. It wasn't convenient. I have no problem standing in front of a room full of people. I have no problem with taking a hard stand on life or politics or anything like that. I have no problem. I'm telling you, my heart's beating out of my chest. My mouth starts getting, I get dry mouth. I don't know why when I'm nervous, I get dry mouth. I mean, it's like gross, foamy, whatever. I look like a horse that's been like licking salt for an hour, right? Just, I'm anxious. And I went and did it. And it was despite how I felt about it, I didn't have to feel any which way. I felt awful. If you want to know how I felt, I felt like I was going to puke the whole time. This sucks. This is awful. This is hard. But I did the hard thing because it was a command. And I can just go do that. I don't have to feel anything about it. Please be freed by that. Because you may never feel anything great about that person that took advantage of you. But what if you leaned into that? You can still feel like they're a derelict sociopath dirtbag and say, I forgive you in Jesus' name, and then walk away not feeling one lick different. I'm telling you, it's a freeing thing. In fact, here's what I've learned in my walk with God. Choices lead. Choices lead. Choices lead. Feelings follow. Write that down. You know how I felt when I left? Number one, dizzy. Like, I had to pull over. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm flushed. I'm dizzy. Why is that hard? And everything else I do that people are like, oh, my gosh, that'd be so hard. I'm like, no, I feel very comfortable. After all of it, I started to feel good. I felt like I, I did my part, and God said he was going to honor it. I, 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 I did my best in the situation, so the feelings begin to follow. I could make that the last point of every sermon I ever preach. Make the decision to do it. It is a command. Number two, forgiveness is an act of faith. So yes, it's a command, but in doing it, it's an act of faith. You're actually becoming a person who's an imitator of God. We read in Ephesians 4, 32, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Our greatest reason to forgive church is because Christ forgave us. It's because what we did and where we were at before Jesus he had nothing to do with the fault in between us, and yet he still chose to broker peace in between God and man. And he did it not because we deserved it. He did it because he didn't want us to live in this world with the shame and regret and the guilt of all the junk that we do. And so he made the first move in all of it. It is an act of faith. Just like it's an act of faith to receive forgiveness from God, it's an act of faith to forgive with God's help. It is one and the same. In fact, I've learned this. Write this down. You'll never have to forgive anyone more than God has already forgiven you. If you can have that heart in all of this and say, you know what? I was messed up, and I'm still kind of messed up, and God still forgave me. He put my feet on a rock, and I'm amazed at what he's done in my life, but like, I know my faults. And so... I'm not ever going to have to forgive anyone else more than he already forgave me. Huge deal. 
because that perspective can be so freeing for you. Number three, we need to give the forgiveness that we have. Or somebody that was in your care, it's unforgivable. It's, it's the worst. They're just, it's awful. But what you can do is share the, the forgiveness that God gave you. We think that when we hold on to a grudge, that in some way we're exercising like control in the relationship. Like, you know, uh, well, they're dead to me. And so with that being said, I'm going to hold on to this and, and they can go off into a corner and die, but I'm going to be over here in I'm Rightville and, and I'm going to hold this grudge. And so I have control. And if I ever feel like forgiving them in my sovereignty, I might give them a little ring, but I'm not going to because uh, I have the control. Here's what I've learned. You're crazy. You don't have control. They have a vote in your relationship. And I know I hate it and you hate it. But the truth is, they have a vote. So you think that if you hold on to the grudge, no, it doesn't work that way. We don't control those people who hurt us. In reality, when we hold on to that bitterness and that hurt, you choose to hang on to it, and, and that thing that's in you begins to control you, that bitterness and that hate. That is a downward spiral. It never produces for us. Wow. The longer that you hold on to something, the more power it has over you. Time doesn't heal all wounds. The longer you double down into that grudge, it becomes harder and harder and harder and harder to break out of that junk. The only way that you're going to be able to forgive is when you say, you don't have power over me anymore. And the hurt and the pain that you caused me, you don't deserve my forgiveness, but I don't deserve to live a life where you occupy real estate in my head and that, that hurt and bitterness and anger dwells in me because it, it, it'll erode me away. I'm not going to do it. So you're free because I'm going to live in bondage. That's the only taste of freedom that we will have in this life. We end our services how? We say, as you go, right, the next part, that's Matthew 10, verse 8. The next part of Matthew 10, 8 is this, freely you've received, freely give. So in other words, that freedom has come into your life from God. You don't have to give something or muster it up. You just pass it along to that person. I'm forgiving you. You are not going to be a fixture in my heart, in my mind, in my life. I am not going to live my life sourcing out of the past, out of my past hurts. I'm not that hurt person. I'm progressing in my life. And, and maybe there's, there's some reconciliation. Maybe there's not, and that's okay too. But God has a plan for my life. God has a plan for my family. And I'm going to do no one service by living and sourcing out of that junk. Can I hear an amen, somebody? Yeah. Write it down. Freely give what you have received. I would put it this way. The forgiven, forgive. If you're a forgiven person, it's, it's like, it's not that it's easy, but it's there. You have the capacity to do it. Okay. I don't, I don't want to preach a simplistic message. I think... One of, one of my strengths is preaching a simple message, but I don't want to make this simplistic because I don't know what you've gone through. Uh, some of you have faced awful things with parents, and it just it was wrong. S some of you have been abused. Uh, some of you have been abused violently uh, or sexually or emotionally to the spot where it just, it's, it's so hard to even think about it. Statistically, it's actually many of you. 
And I know that others of us, it's the human condition where we experience life and the lit downs. And Hey, you might have had a vote in the fight, but certainly what they said hurt you. And, and so some of this is spaghetti, right? Relationships are, are, are not so linear. And I don't know what you've gone through, and I don't want to give simplistic answers. Forgiveness, it's easy for me to talk about forgiveness. It's, it's a much more difficult thing to approach. I understand that. And forgiveness may not be an easy thing, but it's a good thing. It's very good, and it's something that can transform you in the deepest way. It doesn't mean that the pain is gone, because forgiveness is not a feeling. It's not like you, 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 you can say everything's okay because forgiveness is not some magic pill that allows you to forget what happened in the past. Some of that stuff might have to be worked out, and, and in you taking the time to do the archaeology of that pain, that hurt, or that conflict, I get it. But, but here's what I learned, and this is what kind of messed me up this week. With forgiveness, I want you to write this down, but I want you to see it. You go first. Like we're waiting for somebody else to show up, and they're going to say, I'm so sorry I was stupid, and, and let me just help you. They're not coming. They're not coming. If they do, great. They're not coming. And if you're in the spot in the room, and you've got unforgiveness in your heart, and it's kind of eating at you, you've got that person, and they occupy realty in your mind, you might not even express it so much to your spouse, or your girlfriend, boyfriend, or the people around you, but it's there. You go first. Don't wait for somebody else. You take the initiative. The reason why I wrote that down is simply because I went and did it. And it was never going to happen if I didn't take that initiative and take that first step. And it was heart-wrenching. But the feelings followed the decision. And I believe God will honor it. I believe there will be reconciliation. And I believe that for you. You go first. Forgiving someone else doesn't set... Them free, sometimes they need to be subject to their own decisions, but it sets you free from that hostility, that bitterness, that hatred. You're trying to hold on to it because you're right. If you're looking for anybody to tell you you're right, look at me. I'm Joe Bevilacqua. I'm your friend. You're right. Get them all. You want to talk to a justice guy? I'm a justice guy. Get them, Jesus. You know, like, burn them all. <laughs> Let's get them. If you're looking for anybody to agree with you, you were wronged. They're idiots, all of them. They're all idiots. I don't know, you know, but like, listen to me. They're not coming. You go first. Can I be this real in a message? Boy, it's quiet. I thought he was the funny. Pre no, listen, we got to do some heart work. And say, so God, you're in this. Romans 5.8, as the music comes, Romans 5.8, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, he died for us. While we were still messing up, while we were still in offense, while we were still wrong, can I put it that way? That's when he stepped in and brokered the beat. You go first. You can do that. See, when you got saved, you got the same thing. The, the power to forgive other people, it came to you the moment you got saved. When you got saved, that common salvation, one of the benefits in it is this supernatural ability to forgive those jokers and to be free. Matthew 5, 9 blessed. It's, it's, it's the Greek word makarios. It means happy. Happy are the peacemakers, for they'll be called sons of God. Blessed, it's not like somebody told a joke, oh, I'm happy. It's talking about, like, I'm happy. I'm content in the deepest way. Why? I'm a peacemaker. You think peace is going to show up in your life, friend? It'll never show up automatically. Peace must be made, and it's hard 
And it's heart-wrenching sometimes. And it's wrong that you have to initiate it. All of it. But listen to me. You'll be blessed. You'll leave it and you'll be like, oh my gosh, there's this lift on my life. Let me, let me show it to you. James, the half-brother of Jesus, he put it this way. James 3. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of what? I'm right on the inside. It is, it is well with my soul. I'm good. Why? I'm a peacemaker. Harvest of righteousness. God, you're putting the pieces back together. What they did to me. I don't have to source out of what they did to me anymore. There's this lift on my heart. I'm, I'm getting this harvest of righteousness. Why? Because I'm a peacemaker. That's what you want. That's what you need. Yeah, but you don't know what they did to me. I don't. God does. And he's not diminishing it. That's the wonderful thing about all of this. And in your approach to forgiveness, I'm not asking you to feel one bit of it. I'm asking you, look at me. I love you. I'm your pastor. Pastoral moment. Do it. You do it. You do the hard thing. God will make you strong. I'm going to be afraid. Do it afraid. Because on the other end of all of it, you will not have indeed been afraid. You will have been strong. See, we think strong looks a certain way. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Nothing in Christ felt like going to the cross. In fact, it's literally recorded in Scripture. If there's any way, if there's any way we do it a different way, any way this cup can pass from me, God, yet... Not my will, but yours be done. Maybe you're to that spot where you're at least over the injustice of it all so you can say, God, it ain't right that I have to do this, but not my will, but yours be done. Friend, listen to me. There is healing in this room. There is freedom in this room. You can leave this place with all of that junk from the past. You can leave it at this altar. You can leave free and clear, but it's found on the other end of a decision. You go first. Heads bowed, eyes closed. I don't know what you're going through. As I preach a message like this, you might be thinking of that ex-spouse that did you over and ran your name into the ground and messed with the kids situation and and you had pictures together at holidays and now it's awful and <laughs> you're not feeling god say that you need to get back together with him but you are feeling it cuz you kind of hate him it's not that you kind of hate him you just hate him maybe you're in here and and it's a parent and, and this parent has lorded over you and kept their thumb on your forehead and you couldn't make a move. Maybe it's a mother-in-law and, and, and you couldn't do anything right. Nothing was good enough. Nothing added up. Maybe it was a coach and it was rehearsed in you so much. And you, you just you look at that person, you're like, I hate them. You grit your teeth. Maybe it's, maybe it's somebody in here and you had an abortion and you hate yourself. You know it's a grievous sin, but you could forgive anybody else, and you'd even advise someone else that they could forgive themselves, but you struggle to forgive yourself. 
Maybe you were with somebody and they got an abortion without you knowing. And, and it just it ruined all these dreams for family and, and, and carved you out on the inside. Maybe, maybe you had a boss that kept on putting a carrot in front of you, but in reality they were a narcissist and they found pleasure in your pain. Maybe you were hurt because you were lied about or slandered. Maybe your life has not landed where you thought it was going to land. So you're just bitter and angry at the whole thing. Friend, you don't have to live that way. So I'm, I'm going to help us. I'm, I'm going to pray. And, and this isn't going to be a prayer that we like recite back and forth to each other. So I'm going to pray for us. And I want you to trek with me and, and, and be praying these words kind of with me in your heart. Beyond what you feel, I know this, if you mean it, God is faithful. And you can leave with the weight of the world off you. And so let's, let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I, I pray that you'd help us right now to take that step. You said in your word, God, that if we had anything against anyone to forgive them. And so right now, God, we're not saying that what they did was right or what, what they did was, was, was even something that we're letting them off the hook for. They might have to pay consequence for what they did. But God, we are not going to live this way. And so, Father, we choose right now while we are praying at 12.10 p.m. on May 22nd, 2022, now... We forgive in Jesus' name. God, for many of us, we don't feel like it. For God, many of us, there's still some things. This isn't just, this isn't right. God, I just thank you that you didn't give us what was just and right for what we were doing and how we were living before you. And so we give this forgiveness freely. We're not going to be captive anymore to what they did. God, I thank you for freedom in this place. I thank you that feelings will follow decisions. God, I thank you that the weight of the world can come off from people's hearts. We forgive right now by faith in Jesus' name. Let's just have a minute, just a second. It's quiet. You like it's awkward, Pastor Joe? No, it's not. I just want God to speak to you. Now, it's so important that you hear Pastor Joe. You hear God right now. Just, just 30 seconds a minute. Just lean into his presence. Be free. Be free in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you that you met us in this place. We lean into that. We choose to forgive. In Jesus' name, amen. Look at me for just a second. Different service, I get it. It's good. It's good. We need that.
if you're in here and I'm talking about God and a God that forgives and something's in you, you're saying, yeah, that's the Holy Spirit. He's confirming his word. And I want to give you an opportunity to be in relationship with your God. The only way to do that is through his only son, Jesus. The Bible says if you call Jesus Lord, you'll be saved. You'll avoid a Christless hell and that eternal life. It doesn't start when you die. It starts today. That freedom, you can start to walk that, unpack that gift out today, my friend. And so I, I want to do this family business because we, we just got our hearts clear, but I want to make sure that you're right with God in every way. So heads bowed, eyes closed. We're going to pray this all. All of us in the room, I want us to pray this out loud. This is an all play. And for those of you praying it for the first time, we're doing it really in support of you in a declaration of our faith. Let's pray it out loud. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross in my place for my sin so I can be forgiven. You raised him from the dead. This I believe. So with my heart and with these words, I confess Jesus Christ is my Lord. I surrender now. Jesus, I call on you. Come into my life. Forgive my sins. Put your spirit within me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for making all things new. In Jesus' name. Let's give it up for those people that accepted Christ in chapel. Come on. How do you? The reason why people get rowdy and cheer is because we know the freedom that's on the other end of it. You need to let somebody know. I'm not going to embarrass you, call you down to the front, anything like that. That same connection card we talked about earlier, get one of those and check the box that says, I accepted Christ. I'll send you a note talking about next steps in your faith. God Almighty has big things for you, the least of which is to fill out that connection card. One more time, church, let's give it up for those people that accepted Christ. Great job. Hallelujah. You can stand up on your feet. I just want to give us a couple of announcements before we leave today. The first one uh, is this. Uh, the Dads and Grads annual event that we have is coming up. It's right around the corner, and that is going to be on June 19th. Now, typically dads are like, oh, I just want to sleep in. I want to have steak. You do that on your own time, okay? you got to come by the new chapel. And I'm not saying we won't have steak. I'm just throwing that out there. But there's all kinds of fun. It's also the day that we honor our graduates. And so if you're graduating or if your kid's graduating, let us know at guest services. We want to pray for them. And then also, it's a big day around here at church. That is what we call the move-up day. So if your kid's currently in the preschool classroom, it might be, depending on their age, the day that they go to elementary. Now, if that kind of freaks you out, we can do a delayed like schedule on that. But the idea is on a certain day, uh, J uh, June 19th, that is our move-up day and the Dads and Grads event. You don't want to miss that. Uh, I also want to let you know about our men's shooting event that's going to be coming up in very short order. Uh, if you could just save the date on June 25th, it's a Saturday, we're going to go out to a berm and we're going to shoot some guns together. If you got them, bring them, and we're going to have a riot uh, this is something that I think men in our church need to be doing together, hanging out, having some fun together, blowing off some steam. Anybody else got a witness in the house? You've never done it. Anyway, so uh, men, if you'd like to come shoot with us, there's no real reason to sign up. We'll give you more information as we get closer. I'll be there with an AR in Jesus' name. Uh, also, I want to let you know about our newcomer's reception. That is next week. Everybody say next week. 
next week, uh, right after the 11 o'clock service, so it would be like now, we would all go out these uh, doors over on this angle. We'd zip around to our grow room where we're having a newcomer's reception. So if you're new to church from January until now, and you've never come to one of these newcomers' reception, this is for you. It is a feast. It is food. I mean, come on. I'm Italian, everybody. What do you think we're going to do when we meet people? Let's eat. Christians don't know what to do. We give money or we eat. And we're going to be eating next week, everybody. And I'm going to say this. If you know somebody and they're a visitor, but they haven't been like, I don't want to go to the... You come right with them and eat with us. Hallelujah. And so, so I want to be able to meet you, learn your name. My wife, the staff, a lot of our team's going to be there. Love to be able to meet you. Kai, why don't you come up here? Let's pray for the people. Give it up for my bride. At New Chapel, we're a church of thinking people. And our river runs deep, I know that. If you need prayer, don't leave this place without it. We're here for you. I don't want to just open up a can of worms and be like, all right, off with you. You know, like, if you need help, we're here. You go do it. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine on you. Be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace as you go.